And we're back. And we're back. Once again. From the block to the boardroom, baby. Dr. J and Trev Stars. What's the word, J? Well, go on, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. It's been a while. How's everything with you? Great, man. Happy holidays, my brother. You know, we uh, we here live at the new uh, the new Stargan residence here in Bed-Stuy. Congratulations. You, you know, Brooklyn stand up. Congratulations you on the move. I, mean? I feel like this is you moving back home. It's a fact. I was born in Brooklyn. <laughs> I was, I was born, in, born in Brooklyn, Flatbush. So, you know, back uh, back into the borough where I was born. Um, love the apartment. Love the space. Um, you know, it's me and my girlfriend here. And it's a, it's a new phase. It's a new phase in life. It's a new phase for us. As I get a step uh, closer to uh, that old man, dad. Well, actually, you know what? Let me not even categorize it like that because it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Uh, but just, you know, family, dad life. You yeah. know? Or just yeah. another step towards independence yeah. in general as a black man, I would say. That too. That too. So, um, well, congratulations, yeah, I appreciate brother. You, you know, we, we were just uh, putting together the lovely bar cart that you, uh, you, got, you got for the housewoman. <laughs> appreciate you. Because uh, you know, uh, you know, we love the alcohol over here. So um, uh, we just put it together before we started recording. It's assembled in the living room. So I'll be uh, making sure to put the wine, champagne, and the tequila and cognac whiskey there shortly. Absolutely. Next time I come through, I'll bring a bottle of something Appreciate to add you. to the cart. Man, that's a good brother. He don't even drink, man. And he doesn't even drink. That's that's a good that's a good man right there. But yeah, man, all is well. So I mean, I feel like that's the perfect segue to the mental health check in. Um, I'll run with the baton if you don't mind. Absolutely. Go ahead. Where you at with it? Man, I'm just, I'm in a great space, bro. I'm in a great space. I feel like I didn't let 2020 get the better of me, which is something that we've talked about throughout the various episodes. And it's something that, um, it, it could happen very easily. It could very easily happen, um, you know, from, from the pandemic, from working from home for such a long time, breaking your routine, uh, you know, before the pandemic happened, the loss of my pops, you know, all these different things that could really, you know, and not, and not saying these things didn't take a toll, but I, I feel like I use them more as tools of motivation to end 2020 on a, on, a, on, a, on a high note. I feel like going into 2021, I definitely feel like going into 2021, as crazy as it may sound, I feel the trajectory is much stronger than going into 2020. And it's now that I look back at it, Man, 2020 had so much question marks, so much open-endedness. I was going into 2020, I was like, damn, I don't, you know, I don't know what state my pops is in. Because around this time last year, December 2019, he was in bad shape, right? By January, he's checked into the ICU. So it was like, it, it happened as soon as the year started. So I remember like, even like New Year's, just like, because, you know, uh, he didn't spend Thanksgiving with us. He didn't spend Christmas with us. Um, you know, things are related to even career-wise, Um you know, thinking about what's going on um, at the firm, this, this, that, was able to grab a promotion this year in in spite of a pandemic. Uh, I just feel like twenty going into twenty twenty, I had a lot more question marks around things, um, even relationship wise. You know, my girlfriend was um, living in Chicago, working in Chicago at that time, and I was like, you know, wondering like, all right, well, what's the timeline when she's gonna come back? When she comes back, what are we gonna do? This, this, that. Here we are now. She's back and we have the place in Brooklyn. You know, it's, there was a lot of open endedness going into the new year. And I feel like there's always going to be questions. But I feel like going into 2021, I have a lot more clarity and I have I could see the path ahead much, much clearer than I could have last year around this time. So I still like to say, man, I feel great. I feel I really despite how crazy this year has been, it's been a great teacher. It's been a great teacher. One thing about me, man, I heave to lessons. Like, I have no problem t- 
taking a lesson, assessing it for what it's worth, and uh, re-evaluate my game plan. And I think I've done that in 2020. So I'm going into 2021, man. I, I, I actually, surprisingly, I feel good. And I'm not rushing it like, oh, can't wait to get out of 2020. This was the worst year ever. I don't know if I would say it was the worst year ever. It was a trying year. It was a difficult year. But, um, you know, pressure make diamonds. You know, iron sharpen iron. Like, we, we know that, you know. Some, sometimes you got to go through somewhere to uh, get to somewhere better, you know. Um, so I'm not like one of those people like I'm trying to rush out of 2020, rush into 2021. But I will say I feel like I'm looking forward to 2021. But not only because of my chance, because I feel like the steps have been ordered um, by, by, um, by things that I've done that I feel like, okay, I can see some fruit. You know, I've already seen some fruit end of this year, Q4. I think I'm going to see some more fruit from seeds that were planted in 2020. So, it's just been dope, man. Um, living living here, um, you know, the Brooklyn move, I, I like the area a lot. I mean, I've always been familiar with Brooklyn, even though I was in Queens. Knew the area well, but um, I like the proximity to things. I feel like my fitness grind is really going to turn up because uh, the gym that I go to, the Blink, is literally around the corner. Like, I, I could get there in less than 60 seconds. So, um let me see. Today's Sunday. I went five times this week. I went five times this week, and I'm, um, you know, trying to keep four to five as my minimum. And and really, with, with with the gym being around the corner, I really don't have much of an excuse. You know, sometimes there were times when I was in Queens where I didn't really feel like jumping in a car and driving out to Long Island to where I used to work out at UFC. I didn't really feel like doing that. The gym is legit, less than a minute walking distance. Like Gates is right there. You know, so. Um, Listen, if I don't achieve my goal, it's really all on me, like an effort, because um, one of the things I really had to worry about before was time, especially like in the mornings. Right. For me to wake up, drive to Long Island, work out, shower, change, get dressed then take the railroad and the, the subway all the way to downtown Manhattan. Like, bro, you talking about I'm in the gym at like 430 if I'm going to do that. But now I could legit get a quick hour in, come back, shower, get dressed, you know, when the office opens back up and still be at work eight o'clock, eight thirty. No problem. You know? So I'm really going to try my best to take advantage of that. And I have been taking advantage of that. Um, so I, I, I definitely feel great about that. Entertainment wise, there's been a, there's been some 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 good new music out. We're going to definitely talk about that more towards the end of, of this episode. Um, I do personally feel like 2020, we were really robbed, although we had some great projects. I just felt like a lot of our artists held back on projects because you know, maybe they, they didn't have the ability to tour and things like that. And I'm used to having a little bit more, um, but definitely still enjoyed that. Been enjoying the, um, me and the lady been enjoying a good show on um, Netflix called The Crown. Um, as you know, my family background, my mom, she's, you know, Jamaican lady, very uh, proper British background, you know. So I always grew up with knowledge of, of, of that. And um, I, I've enjoyed it. So the story's about Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, from the minute she comes in from her from her dad, King George. Um, I want to say he was King George the fifth. Her dad was, um, but Elizabeth the Windsor. She comes in and it basically just um, you know just highlights the life of one of the the longest reigning monarchs um, ever, including in, in Great Britain history. I mean, Queen Elizabeth is still alive and she's still she's still the queen. Um, her son Charles is pretty old and he may never become king at this point because now when she passes, they might just bypass him and go um, straight to William. You know, um, because she's lived such a such a long life. But it's, it's a very good show. I like shows like that, um, whether it's that Snowfall is coming back. 
in uh, February, which I'm very excited for. I, I like um, historical fiction. So even though they might be a little embellishment or whatever, like I like shows that are based on something in history, because as you know, I'm a history buff. I love history. I love research and stuff. So I love shows like that. So we've, we've been enjoying that in the new crib so far. Um, I can't wait to put up the, the TV I got for Black Friday, doing that sometime this week if the shipments could just start coming on time. But things are a mess right now. Uh, but yeah, man, the mental's in a great space, bro. I, I really like the way this year ended and I'm looking forward to uh, 2021. I'm looking forward to, you know, us taking this podcast to new heights. We started it this year. Here it is. You know, we uh, we got, what, eight great episodes under our belt. And uh, I'm just really looking forward. You know, Benny, Benny the Butcher said it best. Last year was about branding. This year is about expanding. In 2021, we're going to expand, y'all. We're going to, you know, bring more guests on uh, to talk about specific topics, more collaborations, um, some video episodes. You know, we're just really trying to grow this from the block to the boardroom brand and, and really take it to new heights. But uh, enough about me, good brother. Pass it to you. Let us know how your mental's feeling. How's your, how's your mental state right now? Uh, well, first, that's, that's good to hear, brother. I know that it's been a very challenging year, to say the least, for everybody. So to hear that you in that kind of mental space is great. For me, I'm more so, I'm in a space now where I'm unwinding down some of the things that happened throughout the course of the year. So really like just unpacking mentally and I'm unpacking mentally because, you know, there's something every year or just not even year when you're going through different phases of growth, there's some things you have to leave in your phase that you're coming out of. So for me, in order to be in a space where I want to be in 21 and create, um, just uncluttering some things just to create space to have in, uh, innovation in it. And I, like I've been tasked with some total challenges for next year work-wise, which doesn't bother me. But I know that, you know, you, you can't function properly if you're not going to have the... For me, it's all about having a correct amount of mental space to really think things through and then execute it because I'm big on that. So for me, that's that's where I'm at mentally. I'm still in a good space. Uh, heart a little heavy. I had a, a cousin that passed away uh, from COVID a couple, couple weeks ago, but the funeral was this past week. Um, so, you know, family has that, but, you know, family's still doing good. And as long as the family's doing good, I'm doing good. So that's how I'm, I'm big on that in terms of mental space. So it's good. Uh, looking forward to, in 2021, to being back, doing this more. You know, now that you're closer, we can get on the schedule that we want. Yeah. You know, one of our ideas was to do it and release this every single week. You know, so now that, you know, we're a couple of blocks from each other, we don't have an excuse. We can really get into it and we can really grow with it. We got some good uh, collaborations for the year that we're thinking about doing, um, you know, so looking forward to that. That's where I'm at mentally, brother. You you, you had made, a, um, before we started recording, we were just talking amongst ourselves. You had made a very interesting um, comment about resolutions. I wonder if you could share that with our audience real quick and just... A lot of times people talk about resolutions, but there's there's reasons why they often don't come to fruition, not effective. And you, you would explain as to why that is. And you were talking about why you've been mentally decluttering. So if you could share that with our listeners real quick, because I, th I thought that was dope. Oh, absolutely. So I think uh, a lot of times people always say, you know, New Year's resolutions, New Year's resolution. And they start doing something and then two, three weeks out the year, it's over. Right. Like, for example, gyms are usually the most crowded the first three weeks of January. 
because a lot of New Year resolutions, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get in shape, I'm gonna, and people stop. And I just feel like one of the reasons why people stop doing that goes back to creating the space that you need in order to actually do it. Like, for example, you said that you want to be in the gym four to five times a week, right? There's certain things now that has been cut out of your schedule. You had a longer commute to work when you was in Queens. Or right. Now you're in Brooklyn. You a hop, right? Like you're hopping, skip gym, away. 20 minutes. Right? So your commute is cut down. Your commute to the gym is cut down. So that extra time that you was allotting to the gym, you've created enough space to fill that out appropriately. Right? right? For somebody like me, if I'm going to say, y'all need to go to the gym, it's certain things that I know that I personally need. Right? Like... I have a, I need an accountability partner, right? Because when it's just me, I can let myself down, I'm fine. Somebody else, I'm not going to want to let them down once I agree to something. So I know that's something I need. I know I would need to strategically carve out the days I'm going to go to, right? Because there's certain days I have to have my daughter in daycare earlier than other days. So when you don't think about stuff like that and you don't take that time to really create the space that you need for that growth... You're not going to grow, right. right? It's like you being just in a you tight just you just bed. put it out there, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to come to fruition because you have to think about the effects. Um, you know what what do you need for it? To, it's like a plant. You know you yeah. have to think about the lighting, the the soil, the amount of water. What are the different things you're going to give it to actually make it grow? Absolutely, yeah. and it's it's and it's real. Like like just in terms of, and I keep using the word space because it a pro, like it's physical space, mental space, like you have to if you want to grow. You need room to grow, right? Like, period. Like, you, you, when you're working out a person on a sports team and they tell you, I want to get bigger, yo, you don't have no more room to get bigger. This is as big as you're going to get. Or you want to lose weight and still compete. You don't have no more room to lose weight. What kind of growth you want to do? You want a new job, right? Like, have you created the kind of space that you can put on your resume filled up with right. accomplishments to get that job, right? Like, so you need to create the space in order for the growth to actually happen. So I think um, I, that's what I meant by in terms of resolutions. No, bro. I'm glad you shared that because, you know, hopefully a good portion of our listeners listen to this episode before going to the new year. So, you know, food for thought, y'all. Yeah. Take that in and, and apply it. Absolutely. So since we last touched base, Jay, uh, since our last episode, you know, we were talking things gearing up to the election. The election took place. <laughs> it did. It, it was an interesting one, to say the least. You know, it was quite interesting. Um, but we have finally gotten to a point where we can say that there's a clear, decisive winner. Mm-hmm. And it is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They have won the ticket. Um, you know, Donnie been trying a lot of different tactics, trying to see if he can get appeal here, there, recount. You know, man, man's trying everything because he know come January. They knocking at his door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Tish James ain't playing with that boy, you know? So, you know, he's trying everything, but uh, it seems like he's exhausted all options. It's finally official um, that Biden-Harris ticket is won. Thoughts, brother? Thoughts, you know, it's, it, you know, what well, we finally are here in December. Um, you know, I, I know you've even spoken to me about the whole idea of just um, the, 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 the factor that mail-in ballots played. This year, uh, let's 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 break that down. Actually, let's talk about particularly the whole mail-in ballot aspect, and let's talk about particularly. Um, I think for the blog to the boardroom, what our listeners more so want to hear because they can hear the other stuff. You know, NPR, CNN. Let's talk about how our demographic, the black demographic, um, 
you know, really showed up in, in some key counties, some key states and how, um, you know, we use the mail in um, ballots to our advantage. Let's let's break that down. So, yeah. So when, when we're talking about the black vote. Right. And I'm specifically using the word black folk out of all of the minority groups. The black folk has always been suppressed. Yeah. Right. And people don't understand what that kind of su- suppression means, meaning through not having adequate uh, uh, voting stations. Right. Like you'll have like I think for in Texas, there was an area in Texas that uh, let's say these numbers aren't accurate, but let's say that area had 40,000 people that lived in it. They had one place for people to vote. And then you had the entire Houston that has about a million people, heavy Democrat, heavy black area, one voting place. Wow. Right? Like, you you all just can't physically fit in a timely manner to do it. Right? And if you're in a place where you constantly have to sit and wait in line... A lot of people may just say, you know what, I'm not going to do it. Or I'll come back later and never actually get around to it. Yep. We were able to use the melon system and also the early voting system, in my opinion, to supersede voter suppression like never before. Right. Like So we may only have one voting station. Right. But instead of us all going on one day, we went throughout 14 days that it lessens the time. Instead of people having to actually go out and stand online that couldn't stand online, like the elderly, the sickly, they didn't decide to vote. Right. So you started seeing a lot of reflection of what the black vote can actually do. And it's reasons why you had like when the Trump supporters was banging down in Michigan trying to get them to stop stop the vote. It was one guy who came on TV. It's like, no, no, no. We gonna count each and every one ballot. Right. Like y'all gonna understand and feel the effect of the black vote because we gone from picking cotton to picking presidents like understanding that right and one of the reasons why the black vote is so popular and so important it's not that we outweigh any other demographic group it's that like when you look at the white vote for instance they tend to balance each other each other out right right? they zero each other out half of them are democrat half of them are republican that's just the way it goes right the vote that comes in and swing things a lot of the times are those minority votes. The Latin vote, the black vote. Because we're typically, right? as, a, as a whole demographic unit, we're typically 90% or more going one direction. Yeah. So and, and that's the power that you have when you put your entire vote together and vote that way. Right. So that was my biggest take from the melon voting, the early voting. Um, and just the effect that we have and the appreciation people saw that like we saw the state of Georgia turn blue which never turns blue right but when you think about the amount of people that you know like just that you know that have moved from New York to Georgia Atlanta specifically in those suburb areas and stayed there we should have been turned blue right but it's one of those southern states in the in the Bible Belt that they really hold on for dear life and they will deploy any kind of tactics they can to suppress voters yeah man i mean georgia um i mean it was it's you know they started coming in you know at the 11th hour you know because i remember watching at first you know it it did there was a there was a margin but there was a point where it was very close and then it just started to just open up you know i remember the next morning when michigan flipped that was the big one and people like whoa 
you know, he's ahead now, you know? And then when Georgia flipped too, it's like, oh, it's a wrap. Like, we don't, because remember, Nevada was taking a year and a day. And then it was like, bro, you don't even got to worry about Nevada anymore. Like, we good. Like, we got, you know, like when Georgia came, it was crazy. It was crazy, man. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about it more in another episode because, you know, now there are things that we need to see. Things, you know, it's far from over. The pressure has to be put on. Um, and there's things that we're looking for from this administration now too. But, um, you know, I, I think most of us can at least agree um, particularly in the black community, that we're glad that this is our starting point going into 2021, as opposed to we're starting our agenda again with another Trump presidency. Um, and, you know, it was definitely a very interesting year, a little different dynamic with the uh, with the mail-in votes, but I think we definitely came through with it. Uh, another thing that's been real big, um, and it's going to be very critical for this um, Biden-Harris uh, camp, uh, not even campaign, presidency, COVID-19. So here we are in December. COVID-19 has been a, a pretty frequent topic on From the Blog to the Boardroom podcast throughout most of our episodes. Uh, and here we are in December. We're still talking about it. We're still talking about it. I remember when we first started talking about it earlier this year. Uh, right now, um, Pfizer, um, their vaccine has been approved. Has Moderna's... Uh, it's been approved. Moderna's... It's, okay. it's, it's, it's getting been distributed disproved. today. Okay, got you. So now Moderna's getting distributed today and they don't have the the uh, temperature regulation that the Pfizer one has. So that might get distributed a little bit more too. Cause right. Cause the Pfizer one has a very particular, it has to, it has to be, the Pfizer has to be very cold. Right. The Moderna still has to be cold, but not, but as, not cold. as cold. Moderna can be so Moderna can probably places. get around to more places. Okay. So the vaccines out UK started at first. Um, United States has it. I've, I've seen people that I know who are doctors or on the front line who have got the vaccine. Um, so the vaccines out, um, Jay, this is your, your field expertise. Tell us, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this um, direction we, we, we're going in? And um, educate us, please, sir. So what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just give the, some of the background of the actual vaccine. Then I'm going to let you chime back in because I want you to give your perspective as a black person in the way the black community sees the vaccine. Right. And then I'll come in and add on to that. Sure. Right. So. Uh, just just to answer some quick questions that people may have or may have been wondering, for example, how in the world did they get a vaccine to act so quickly, right? Like, how did they create one so quickly when normally it takes years upon years upon years, right? So just straight off the top, when you have um, a DNA, RNA sequence of vaccines or already have it, you, you kind of skip ahead, right? Like, it's like knowing uh, disease structure. COVID is not a foreign disease, right? Like it's a different strand of the coronavirus, right. but it also still comes from SARS. Right. And we know that we went through SARS as a world, also specifically in America. So we had some research done on it as well and people studying it. And then also the specific strain of COVID-19, China already had, right? So it was a lot of world talk, communication amongst each other, which helped speed up the process. A lot of times we're competing against each other. This time we were really trying to work with each other. So you have that process. Another big problem with developing vaccines or any drug, you need participants, right? And you have to convince thousands and 20, 30, 40, 50 thousands of people in different phases to actually sign up for the trial. We're in a global pandemic. There was no shortage of participants. 
right? Like you had companies of Moderna, Pfizer, that was in America. There was also in other countries. You have Johnson & Johnson that's developing one, right? Like they've been heavy in Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. So there was no shortage of participants in developing this. And then also you had um, the FDA give out waivers in order to not slow, slow, um, slow down things. Understanding that part of capitalism is the people who are in control slows down competition, right? Like that's just part of how capitalism goes. So you had a lot of that waived communication, the processes, all of that sped up. That's how we was actually able to get to here of developing a vaccine. Another major part of that is money and cost of developing. The government has a program where it's called a defense spending bill where they agree to buy and purchase certain things. So for Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, I'm not sure who else they did it with, but I know they did it with those three. The government agreed to purchase 100 million doses of the vaccine from those companies. So now you have it to where their expenses for actually developing this vaccine has been covered. There's no need for them to take time, right? Like when you're in the business of making money, you want to start seeing profits before you put additional resources into it. There was no need for them to do that this time, right? Like you had a hundred million in sales before you even came out, right? It's kind of like, remember when Sprint brought a million copies of Jay-Z's album right. before it even dropped? Yeah. He had no need to try to please anybody. He did whatever he wanted with the album. Right. Think of it so in like that, right? So they were, these companies were in the green before they even created the vaccine. They had no reason to slow down to, they don't, they're not even worried about competing with each other to an extent because right. It, everybody needs it, so that that's how so we got a lot to of, So basically, a lot of the bureaucracy, a lot of the financial dependency, a lot of these situations were which are normal in a, in a medical race, typically research. A lot of those things were averted or bypassed this yeah, time. They was waived. Okay, which they should be every time, right? Because we stopped thinking as a capitalistic country. Right. However, because of this kind of emergency and pandemic, they were waived. Gotcha. That's how we got here. Now I want you to tell us how you feel in terms of a black person and having to see stuff like all oh, the and it's not lost on me the first person that they showed on tv was a black woman nurse Jamaican getting the vaccine, yeah right so yeah. tell me how you feel seeing that and people saying it's available all right so i'll first start with that um because uh I, i'm a member of the um global um jamaican youth diaspora council new york chapter and people knew her um, there's some nurses in there. People knew her in, 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 in the, the group that we have. And, um, you know, bigger than her even being Jamaican, just being a black woman, I just thought it was interesting. I was like, you know, they, they you know, always us for the rescue. You know what I mean? Like, always us for the, just just from a from a marketing standpoint, right? Like, it always, you know, we're, we're always the ones to uh, reassure you things are right. And I started just getting ideas of just uh, mammy vibes. And just back in the day, just a black woman is always just providing care and reassurance um so that didn't surprise me at all that didn't surprise me at all but um how do i feel okay so i've seen some interesting sentiments i've seen some interesting sentiments um on social media i've heard different things said and it's interesting how do i feel about the vaccine personally i'll be real with you i'm indifferent i don't really know how i feel about the vaccine um because you know, just being a man of fact, I've researched different things. I've had conversations with you, other people, 
one thing I've come to learn is that there's no such thing as uh, herd immunity or just immunity even with this virus in a sense of one of the key questions I had was, okay, if you have COVID, will you, are, can you catch it again? COVID-19, can you catch it again? And, uh, you know, reports and research and data pretty much shows that, yes, you can, you know, um, might not be as brutal the second time around because now you have antibodies for it, which is pretty much what they're trying to do with the vaccine. But there's no, it, 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 it's not a sure that you won't get the virus again. So I was like, oh, well, wow. So herd immunity alone is not just going to draw this down. Like we're going to need something else, you know. Um, so I'm not. You know, just no having some medical knowledge. So I'm not, I'm not against the vaccine at all, but I'm also not in a rush. I would say I feel like there's certain things I just want to. I would like to see first, and that's more so my issue with the medical community, particularly the medical community um, who may not be of um, you know of our culture, of our race, or even some of us that are who may not know. The full history, because, you know, when, when, when you go to these medical schools and medical programs, they're not going to inform you, um, you know, of the nefarious or the negative side of the history of uh, modern medicine and, and, and how it played with black people. But I think that it is very insensitive for people to um, possibly look at the black community and be like, well, why? Why are they so against the vaccine or, or why are they not even being against it? Why are they apprehensive? Right. Like, 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 why do we have questions? Why? Why maybe do we want to see more? Why maybe is our threshold of comfort a little bit higher? And I don't know if that's coming from ignorance or just um, or, or denial. But, you know, we have a history of being led astray by modern medicine, of being told one thing. Um, for 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 the advance for the advance of medicine, uh, oftentimes we were the guinea pigs. Our health and our livelihood was sacrificed for modern medicine to become modern and advance. You know, we could talk about the, the Tuskegee experiment with syphilis. We could talk about um, who was his his statue had to be removed from somewhere in Manhattan recently in the past two years. J. Marion Sims who's strongly regarded as the uh, father of gynecology. We could talk about the experiments that he did on black women for years without anesthesia. We could um we could talk about Henrietta Lacks, you know, um and all the all the work that her cells, you know, unbeknownst to her, did for modern I mean, <laughs> black people our bodies have helped to trailblaze modern medicine. And you know, knowledge uh that they teach you in, in, in a textbook. I mean, I didn't go to med school, but I'm sure, you know, uh, you, you probably won't see too many of our faces. But trust and believe our bodies were often the guinea pigs, unbeknownst to us, for modern medicine. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Dr. Jonas Salk, when he first uh, developed the polio vaccine and his understudy who wasn't included. But I say all this to say is that... Um, you know, black people from and you and you do a lot of work with this JJ too with um black women in the um in the in the neonatal department and um a lot of the struggles they go through in terms of uh their pain threshold not being recognized. We have and rightfully so a level of distrust with with, with, with the medical community. Um because a lot of times uh, we haven't been seen as equal in the medical community. Our pain um, threshold has not been seen as equal in the medical community. And also a lot of research has been done on us throughout the years by the medical community unbeknownst to us. So, you know, let's not pretend, you know, let, let's put let's look at it holistically and understand that there is a long standing feeling of 
distrust. You know, like when you you remember that, that meme that came out a couple years ago with the African boy looking up at the lady, like that's us and the medical system. You know, like it's is we don't just accept it. You know, we we I'm I'm sorry, you know, and it's just it's it's a thing of history. So I don't knock anyone who's in the medical community or who's a frontline responder, anyone of that nature who's already gotten it and will be getting it soon. That's fine. What I do have an issue with is people of that community who don't understand why members of our community, why members of the black culture may be apprehensive. Because so, that means that you lack the empathy or maybe lack the knowledge of history to know why you know we're curious. Um, or, or maybe it's apprehensive. You know, There was a... Um, Winston Mirage, he's the uh, mayor of Maypen in Jamaica. It's going viral right now. He had a little funny video that's on Instagram going viral where he's basically saying, like, we're going to make America, we're going to make Britain, Canada, we're going to make the big country, then try it out first. Then we're going to try it. Which I feel like is, you know, the sentiment amongst a lot of us. Like, okay, we're not saying we're totally against it, but we want to see something first because. You know, oftentimes, you know, we're the ones thrown in the fire right away to get any pigs, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, we, we all want to get ahead of this trust. And we spoke about our 2021 vision. We talked about 2021. You know, a lot of us want to try to re return to some level of normalcy, and I'm sure it'll take a while. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think the black community wants to be the ones to, uh, rush right into this because right it's, it's, it's kind of like being scorned you know when you when you've been scorned a couple times in a relationship whatever the case may be you know if you decide you're going to take that person back whatever you're going to be a little happy you're going to watch their moves and rightfully so because you know uh they've proven to you that you can't fully accept what they say at face value you have to check it out a little deeper so that's where i'm at bro i'm, I'm a little indifferent to it i'm not against it i do want more people to be understanding of history, history and in, 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 in the medicinal sciences, particularly to our community, and why we're apprehensive and why we have questions, and um, and yeah, let's 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 see where it goes. So, uh, just breaking down a couple of things. Uh, one, the the study that you was referring to, saying that people could get sick again with the coronavirus, that's not actually true right like that's one of those there's something you cannot that, you cannot get it again is so what you're it, in healthcare it's one of those things where if you can't prove something you have to decide which side that you want to be on meaning they try to push you on it right like so there's no exact proof that you can get terribly sick again from the coronavirus. right no i heard not terribly but, sick again but you but, can get it again but then also there's not right because remember the coronavirus has different strains right so it's, it's not an exact science. And we also don't know if everybody is like that, right? Like, we don't know if it's like, like for example, the chicken pox. There's some people who, they never really get the chicken pox the first time. They get like a little bit, and then years later, they'll get a full on, that's science. Um, and then years later, they'll get a full on blast of the chicken pox. It's because they never really had the virus in full effect. Right. So we don't know if those people who got it a second time just never really had the virus in full effect right so it's one of those um the second thing is so they do teach us sometimes uh, well not sometimes they teach us in um in healthcare school let's say med school nursing school like they all teach us about the tuskegee experiment right and probably because that was like sanctioned by the government and by this, the cdc scientists. recently just added it to their website to, so, to talk about it. it but before you actually do research we learn about the tuskegee experiment right like that's one of the things there's also certificates that you have to get in research um before you can actually conduct it 
right? Like you learn, so you have to relearn about it and relearn about the problem. For those of you who don't know, very quickly, Tuskegee experiment was an experiment where a group got together with the Tuskegee Institute, which is now Tuskegee University in Alabama, which is a historically black college. And they pretty much told them that they wanted to give free medical care to people. They were actually studying syphilis. And some people had syphilis and some people didn't have syphilis. They really wanted to see what was the stages of syphilis and what people go through in syphilis. They never told the black men in this study that they actually had syphilis. Right. So the biggest thing was consent, right? Like they were not given full consent, right? Like Because you can't consent to something that is under pretense. If you're tricking me, I can't give you consent to trick me. So they never sign up to actually, hey, I'll have syphilis and I'll keep syphilis and you'll just watch me. Completely wrong. Next biggest thing was that the study was supposed to be six months. It started in 1932. The study lasted 40 years. So imagine studying syphilis and effects on people for 40 years. In between this, by 1947, but even really before this, antibiotics was developed that was strongly available, that was had a wide array of availability to use to treat and cure syphilis. It was not offered to the people to the patient, in the study, yeah. right? Yeah. That's the problem there. When you talk about the father of gynecology, who was a white slave master, was performing gynecological procedures on slave black women without any kind of anesthesia and telling people they don't need it because they're slaves and they don't feel pain the same way we feel. And you may think, oh, that's back in slavery. It doesn't matter. A study that was done either earlier this year or late last year showed that more than 50% of medical students believed that black people had higher pain tolerance because of the texture of their skin, which is completely and utterly asinine. But that comes directly from people like that slave master who's the father of gynecology mm -hmm. implanting into people's head that black people have higher pain tolerance. They don't need pain medication, right? So you have that issue. You have Henrietta Lacks who studies who cancer cells was taken from her and studied and developed and cures and treated other people all without her consent or permission. So I completely get and understand all of that. As a healthcare worker... I then find myself in a bind because I'm also the president of the Greater New York City Black Nursing Association, right? We're the second largest chapter of the National Black Nursing Association. What we do, people are going to take heed to, right? And so you're in between this, 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 this rock in a hard place of tell people to get the vaccine and then portray your people, tell people not to get the vaccine and then have your people potentially get more coronavirus and sick again or more. So for me, like I was approached by Johnson & Johnson. Their vaccine trial is called the Ensemble Trial. And they, like, they approached me and they said, hey, look, we wanted to know if you can get more black people into our trial. We want to have more black people. Uh, I think the rate of the coronavirus infecting black people, I think we're about somewhere between 17 and 20% of the cases, but we only represent 3% of the actual trials of the vaccine, right? So my thing was, before I can go to my people and tell them that I need them to enroll in a vaccine trial, you first have to sit down and have a conversation with my people. Mm. And the reason why you have to have that, that, that conversation is because there's been a lot of talking at black people about this vaccine, right? Like you, it's been a lot of 
commentators on the CNNs, on the MSNBCs, and all these other news and medical shows talking at black people saying, you all need to get it because y'all were disproportionately affected by COVID. Y'all disproportionately make up the deaths of people, right? Like there's been a lot of talking at black people. Even when they try to bring people in, uh, like black experts with PhDs, epidemiologists, to talk black people off the ledge, it's often a Zoom virtual meeting or one-on-one where the community is not actually allowed to ask questions. So people don't trust it. So my thing has been, I tell you what, we're going to set up a meeting between Johnson and Johnson's vaccine trial with black community leaders. I finally got them to agree to that uh, last Friday. So we're going to have that uh, in January, January 14th at seven o'clock. And I've invited other organizations, right? Sororities, fraternities, because they have a big influence in the black community. I invited the Metropolitan Black Bar Association, just different organizations to let's come to the table. Let's have our people with us as well. And you get to ask somebody that's actually has some type of control over the vaccine trials, these kind of questions. It is not going to make black people forget everything that has happened to them overnight. It's not. But what it will do is start to build a level of trust and start to make organizations understand that we need to come talk with the black a community. A dialogue. There needs to be a dialogue. Yes. Not bypass them. Right. Not talk right. at them. Have a conversation with them. With them. Right? Because there's some stuff that people just don't know. Like, for example, the Moderna um, vaccine, right? Right. Was co-created by a black woman. And people don't necessarily know that. But you could have brought her out so she could have conversations with her people about this. So some of the things that we're trying to do. That um, So that I hope that answered your question. And I hope yes. that answers a bunch of questions for uh, our listeners. Real quick, while we're still on the topic, 2021, we're going into it. The vaccine's coming out. You know, what, what, what do you think? For me. With you, what's your personal take? Where, 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 where do you, how much closer with the with with now with the Pfizer with the Pfizer uh, the Pfizer um, vaccine the Moderna vaccine? How much closer do you see? Let's say Q two, twenty twenty one, spring going into the summer. How much closer do you see us getting to some point of normalcy? Or are we still very far away? Uh, it is predicted right now that they said the vaccine is going to be available widespread for people come May. I think it's going to be a little sooner than that with the buying up and then also the more vaccines coming on the market. So I'm, my take would probably be that it'll probably be available for widespread sometime around end of March, beginning of April. And as people start getting the vaccines, it's also rumors that Johnson & Johnson might be one shot instead of two shots. So oh, I forgot about that factor. That so because you got to get it once and you got to get through. Go so, back. Yeah. My, like my father got the vaccine. Okay. Right. And the one thing he said about it was the next day he felt like very cold and had like chills. Mm -hmm. He popped two Tylenols and then he was fine. And then we asked his coworkers. They all said the same thing. That might just be because of how cold the vaccine has to be kept. Okay. Um, so nothing big or crazy. Um, so I, I think around after that, there'll be a level of normalcy where people will go outside and they know that they cannot affect uh, their loved ones that are most at risk. And I think once we get uh, once that happened, like once everybody in nursing homes are vaccinated, once the elderly are vaccinated, you'll see a lot more people not adhering to social distance things because they're not as worried about affecting people who are going to have 
a greater risk of dying from it. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely looking I'm, 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 I'm hoping that that comes to fruition. All right. So let's just, let's let's switch over. Let's, let's pivot, pivot, man. Let's pivot. pivot. Something funner. Music. Let me put my put my do rag low. Put my hoodie <laughs> on real quick, man. Know what I mean? Here, Here we go. So it's the end of the year. You know, I, I've seen on Instagram. I've seen a lot of people post their uh their their year end wrap ups. What they've been listening to. Um, you know, top artists, top albums every year. Um. You know, the folks over at, um, man, what is the name of their podcast again? Uh, Rap Radar. Rap Radar. Elliot Wilson and, and um, Brian B-Dot. Um, they post, uh, well, B-Dot post his, uh, his top albums. So, this is on December 18th. B-Dot said that the top albums of 2020, according to Brian B-Dot Miller. Number one, Freddie Gibbs Alfredo. Number two, Conway the Machine from King to a god three stove god cooks reasonable drought four benny the butcher burden of proof five nas king's disease six big sean detroit two seven little baby my turn eight west side gun pray for paris nine larry june keep going ten jack harlow that's what they all say. No EPs, only full studio albums. Dr. J, let's go dissect this. First, before we even dissect it, I know I could say this. Is there anything right off the rip? And two of them I'm going to say just because I'm not, I don't even listen to it like that. One of them I just don't think it belongs in a top 10 conversation. Is there anything that we want to throw out off the rip? Oh, absolutely. Off the rip. The Big Sean Detroit too. So Big Sean, we, and we both listened to that. And I like the album. Don't get it twisted. I, I like the album. Um, I love Deep Reverence. You know, when you be around me, you hear me, yeah. you know, quote the bars off the album. I love, I love the album. I just it don't, I don't think it belongs in the top, unless we had a very weak year, me personally. I don't think that belongs in a top 10 conversation. And I, I enjoyed the album. Um, Stove Guide Cooks, he has it as three. I guess that's something I got to tap into. I'm just not even familiar. So I can't even I can't even have it in the top ten. Jack Harlow, I'm familiar with the dude to a degree, but I don't know enough to know if that has the uh, number ten spot. So me personally, I could I could remove those. Um, my man from Gary, Indiana, Freddie Gibbs, Alfredo at the top spot. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, it's, it's it's hard, and when you are going to be rating any kind of albums, because we don't know. What's your rating system? Right. What you what do you weigh in more? What do you like when I look at this list, one of the things that popped out to me immediately is that like I was like, why is Detroit two on here? I also was saying, why is Rowdy Rich not on here? He owned the rap scene for like the, the first, first half, yeah. But yeah. technically technically dropped his album dropped right? at the end of twenty nineteen. I would consider it here in twenty twenty, but if you're saying that the release date had to be in twenty twenty, then cool, we'll take him off. Where's Pop Smoke? Like, he put out two projects. Right? Two good projects. Especially, Maybe especially the album. Let's, right? Like, the EP, but the album. Right? Yeah. Like, that that Pop Smoke album was everywhere. It also had a deluxe version that still has songs right. being played on a radio. Like, so what is it? Right? I also would question, you know, Rap Radar is a Rock Nation thing to some extent. True. How many of these artists have some type of deals with Rock Nation? Are you a little more biased because you're more likely to bump 
your own artist stuff. So I think that's where I'm at with this. You can share your thoughts. Okay. Um, so big Freddie Gibbs fan. And I remember last year when Bandana came out and um, that was produced with Mad Lib. I really loved Bandana. But whew, I'm, I, I love Alchemist production from back in the day when he used to do a lot of stuff with um, with um, Mob Deep. You know, um, Al Alchemist has just been a great producer for a long time. So Alfredo is all produced by Alchemist. Man, I even ordered the vinyl for my record player um, of the instrumentals of the beats. The production on the album, the content, I just, I really love Alfredo. I don't know if I have it number one, though. I gotta, I gotta think about that for a little bit. I don't know if I have it number one. But Alfredo by Freddie Gibbs, Masterpiece, Timeless, and just some great features on there, man. Like, I don't even listen to Tyler, the creator like that. Tyler, the creator's verse on there is hard. Benny the Butcher's verse is hard. Um, Rick Ross's verse on there and Scotty Beam is hard. Um... Man, every it's like it's like almost like I don't know what kind of aura Alchemist and Freddie was setting when dudes came, but I got the vibe that one these tracks weren't sent. I get the vibe that these tracks like they were. I felt like they fed off each other's energy. You could always tell, especially like when you listen to rappers tell stories. It's like when you come into the studio with a certain rapper and and and, and you see what the energy is. You kind of have to switch up or, or or shift the energy that you were gonna deliver, as opposed to if I just emailed you my audio. So, that's a great album. Um, Conway number two, I thought it was a good album. Um, I just don't know if I had it all the way up at number two. Um, what I would put right at number two, if uh, for me, is Benny the Butcher's Burden of Proof. Um, and I've been listening to Benny's takes like for a while. A lot. But for his first project, man, I mean, the, the, the line he opened the track with, man, is... is uh, is what I said for is the theme for the podcast. Last year was about branding, this year is about expanding. Uh, man, Benny just talented, and I think that's what separates Benny from from Conway um, or even West Side Gun. Like Benny has the bars, but unlike Conway, Benny also has a little bit more entertaining delivery. Because mm -hmm. Conway has a lot of bars, I respect his pen, but I think maybe that's why I gotta listen to um. From, from a king to a god some more because Conway kind of puts me to sleep a little bit. It's a very monotone delivery, you know? Benny's delivery is, is, is a little bit more exciting. And he's not animated, but it's just, it's the way he delivers. Um, You know, I I definitely um could I, I appreciate it more. So that's number two for me right there. Nas is king disease, man. That, for, for a dude, legendary like Nas, the production's great by Hit Boy. Um, shout out to Hit Boy giving Nas just do doing what Kanye couldn't do because Kanye tried to do it and it ain't work out well. Shout out to Hit Boy giving um you know a legend a solid album. You know and he produced it from top to bottom for for a legend like Nas to deliver this at yeah. this point in his career when he don't got nothing to prove and he might just get his first Grammy off of this. Which you know, is amazing. which would be amazing. Uh, Freddie Gibbs is also nominated for Alfredo, but Nas is, uh, is 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 nominated as well. But man, that was, that was a great album, bro. The content, uh, and it's like it was so effortless. It was so effortless. Like even the song that he has um, with Little Dirt, um, "Till the War Is Won." I love the, that song. The, like the content of it, and, and the way how like he's just flowing with people who who are like half his age, but not seeming like he's trying to force a relevancy or force a, a cool standard that's not there it's just it speaks to him just being a legendary rapper uh a top top five all-time rapper and, and and just a true artist um little baby my turn i don't know if maybe 
some cats are just don't think he's lyrical or maybe they only like the more boom bap style. I don't be like, bruh. I mean, I'm glad Apple Music gave him artists. Bruh, 2020 was Little Baby Year. He had a year. 2020 was Little Baby. And that album is fire. Oh, yeah. That album is fire. The content is there. The turnip is there. The thought, like, you want to talk about a, a progression from his prior album, Street Gossip? Like, man, like, he he exploded with it this year, man. That album is, is dope. Like, I could tell you being in Atlanta in uh, end of August, early September, and... Just hearing songs like um, "We Paid Grace," going through the list. Um, bigger pic, I mean, bigger picture. Obama had bigger picture listed on his top songs of 2020. Cause one thing, I, one thing I liked about what what Baby did with Bigger Picture is that he made a social commentary song, a thought provoking song, but didn't sacrifice his style or his flow. You know, didn't sacrifice his style or his flow. I, um, and, and, and that can be very difficult, particularly for a street rapper, to go conscious, make some social critique, but it still sounds like him. And if anything, it just showed the level of growth with him. Like, he had a line in there where he says, like, yo, I can't front, like, I don't be talking about killing and selling dope, but I'm telling y'all to vote. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, like, it's, it's a lot of introspection. Like, he's like, yo, I'm not here to cap and act like I'm an activist, but I'm also trying to tell you that, like, there's certain things we gotta move from if we're trying to get to this next level, and I can speak for it myself because I'm at a point in my career where I'm starting to get to that next level. Cause little baby already in 2020 has come a long way from, you know, rapping with uh QC cats like Marlo, rest in peace, and having songs like My Dog. That was his breakout. That's my dog for sure. That was his breakout. But I mean, bro, he's he's in a new tax bracket now, so he's even seeing like the differences in things, and um. I don't feel like that album is high. I mean, for, for B. Dot to have it at 7, I think that's low. That album needs to be higher up on people's lists. Um, Pray for Paris was dope. Pray for Paris was dope. I don't know how... I don't, I, I'd don't. have to listen. I don't know if, where I have it in my top 10, but it was dope. I really had the production on there. I like the features. Um, Fit Westside Gun Steez. Um, I've been listening to Larry June, West Coast Dude Out the Bay. I just... I got to listen to his album. I haven't listened to his whole project to know if I have it. Raiders number 9. Um... So we could open it up now, EPs and stuff. So we talked about Pop Smoke, um, Aim for the Moon. It's Aim for the Moon. Shoot for the Moon, Aim for the Stars. Shoot for the Moon, Aim for the Stars. Um, you know, for some reason, that's not in a lot of people's top well, that, 10 list. That's the album. It should be. It's album. It's album. Right? It definitely like, is album. It definitely is album. Um, that should be in there. But what are, what are some more albums, or and even if not just albums that, that miss top 10, that miss B-Dots top 10 or top 10s in general, what are some more albums that people missed out on? And... What are just some projects, some EPs we feel like people might have missed out on that, that didn't get a, enough conversation this year? So we got the pop smoke in there for sure. Uh, what else? For for me, I, I was all over the place musically. I also listened to a lot of R&B this year as well. Okay. Um, but I also listened to a lot of underground drill music. So if you want to talk about artists that I'm looking forward to in 2021, I can tell you that. Oh, we definitely will get there. We definitely will get there. But um, for me, that was it. That That's a question more so for you to answer. We definitely going to get there. Um, I mean, people did speak about it. Um, I really like that, that 21 Savage and Metro Boomin tape that came out with Savage Mode 2. Um, I really like the production on that one. I really like the energy they came with. Um, I was disappointed a couple heavy hitters didn't give me a full project this year. Um, I was really hoping for a full Meek project this year. But it's, it's a weird year. A lot of yeah. people don't want to... They know. feel like waste records right, that they right. can't tour. Can't tour can't. with. Um, I was hoping that Cole would give us something this year. Um, 
But Cole said he was going underground for a while. He did. He did. He did. <laughs> I was hoping for it. Um, I don't know when we'll get a new Kendrick project. Going on three years yeah, now. Man. Kendrick, I, you know what I love about Kendrick? You're not going to push him to do nah, something. No, I know. I know. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it was... It wasn't as jam-packed as usual, and I think also because of that, um, I was all over with, with music this year, too. Um, a project that I really like, it's not even hip-hop, um, Popcorn's big debut on OVO Sound, Fixed Tape Project. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that a lot. So, you know, I did a lot of international listening, dancehall, Afrobeats, R&B as well, also. I'm trying to think if there's something R&B that I really, really liked. Um, Giveon. I got put onto this dude named Giveon this year, um, from LA, from Long Beach, um, I really like his sound, I really like his sound, his voice, great R&B, um, he's, he's getting some buzz, but I don't think a lot of people know about Giveon like that, um, definitely enjoyed that, but you, you, you touched on it, we are here in Brooklyn, we are recording right here in bed and you know, Rowdy Rebel just came home, you know, one of the more, you know, a couple GS9 members got, you know, released this year, but that is possibly the second most notable member right behind Bobby Schmurda. No possibility. Not, he is. Yeah, it's Bobby and Rowdy. Not even possible. You're right. He's the, um, he's also the muscle. Right. So, Rowdy's home. Um, I heard a little snippet of, mm-hmm. of a track uh, that's going to be a Funk Flex album. I went the wrong way. Wrong way. way. I had every, I had everybody know that's, everybody know that's the lie that you go here in the club. <laughs> If it's 10K on his head. Double it. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. Welcome home. Welcome home. Uh, I think his name is Chad. Chad Marshall, right? I'm not sure. That's the government name. Um, welcome home, Rowdy Rebel, man. Um, you know, I I think I saw a comment one time on social media, not one time, recently. And people was like, you know, why, why, why is all this heralding going on for someone who, you know, was involved in criminal activity and this, this, that. And, um, you know, a lot of times from the block to the boardroom, one thing we want to do is the brothers that we are um, who could see the full spectrum from the block to the boardroom is provide a little perspective. We feel like perspective goes a long way. And I don't think folks are really heralding Rowdy for what he did or who he was. But I will say is that in this culture and, and where we are, we, we, where we see, um, you know, what happened with um, guys like Takashi 6 9 and things like that. I like the idea of accountability and I like sticking to the code and I like the idea, um, you know, I don't think um, gang violence, I don't think certain things that exist in the inner city that's going to disappear, but I I, I do want youth in these communities to know that if you are going to be a part of this lifestyle, there's a certain level of code and honor that you need to live by, accountability. So if you're going to do these things, you know, you can't just love it when it's good, when the piece is hitting and everybody got a mall clear on and everybody got a fast whip and y'all spending money in the club, this, this, that. And then when them cases start catching up, you trying to start pointing fingers, tattletailing, this, this, that. You know, I, I like the idea of us heralding somebody and not, let me not say heralding, but giving credit to somebody who didn't say no names and did they time. Because it seems like right now in the street culture, cats ain't trying to do that. They love it when they up, but when they when 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 they when they when they fall when they fall on their face, it's what's the quickest way I can come back home? What's the easiest way out of this? And listen, man, that I think if anything, look at Rowdy and Bobby's story. Like this 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 life's not pretty all the time, but if you want to be a part of it, you got to stick to the code even when it's when it when it's in bad. And I mean, we already know Bobby's gonna come home to a huge reception next year because part of the reason why Rowdy was even come home December twenty twenty is because Bobby took more time on. 
because Rowdy had more serious charges. So I just wanted to provide some perspective for that, Jay. Um, and I know you could agree that it, it's not necessarily, you know, bigging up who he is or, or what he may have done in the street. It's a matter of bigging up somebody who stuck to the code. Because we just had a major release of somebody. Stakashi came on this year, wasn't it? Early this year? Yeah. Or was it 2019? I think it was this year. Right. I don't care. Um, but, yeah, yeah, but just, just for the point of, like, the youth need to see that. The youth need to see, like, listen. Because street life, listen, if we're going to be realistic, it's going to exist. It's going to exist. So, if you're going to go this route, take the, take the full spectrum of it. Right? Don't enter this route, and then when it doesn't work for you, now you want to you know, incriminate others, this, this, that, take down enterprises, you know, like, if you're going to be involved in this world, there's a code you need to live by, and, you know, with that code comes honor, and here's a, here's a man who, in, in, in the street world, came home honorably, you know, he took the accountability, did what he had to do, did his time, you know, I think this generation just needs this, just like this generation doesn't understand that concept, like, can't do the, can't do the time, don't do the crime, you know, be, be, a, be an upstanding citizen, you know, but, you can't double dust the streets and, and, and regular life. So um, that's the take on that. But yeah, I, you, you can comment on that, Jay, and also let us know. Um, I know you have a lot of knowledge as to how that may impact things in Brooklyn in terms of just the street culture, the gang culture, and um, what you're looking forward, what you're looking forward to 2021 from the Brooklyn Drill Sound. So uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm happy that uh, a black man is freed. And that does not mean that I overlook any of the violence or especially the deaths that's happened in these in Brooklyn because of these this this rivalry that's been going on, right? Um, I am somebody who grew up in this community, grew up gang related, uh, or I say just grew up in gangs. I, I'm somebody who coaches kids that goes to both sides of this gang war that's currently going on in Brooklyn, right? Like, I, there's a high percentage of my kids because of where they grow up in Flatbush, Crown Heights, Brownsville, they go to either side of this war. And they are cool and they are friends when they are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. And then they are at each other's throat when they are 15, 16, 17, 18, and so forth. And I hate seeing that, right? Like, I, like I, I despise seeing that. Like, there's been some times when I've tried to get involved to break up things between people that I'm kind of like, yo, you've been cool since I was eight years old, right? So you you have that side of it. Um, you 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 have this side of it. Like, like I'm happy he's home. One of the things that bothered me, like, when he first came home was that, like, you know, it's the video of him standing on top of his friend's car. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, yo, I'm the, I'm the king of New York. And if you got a problem with what I said, right. you come pull up. Right, right. Almost because like it was reminisce of for me of, and you may not notice the very last video he made on social media when the night they got locked up was him on social media, right inside of either a pool hall or the studio going, "Yo, I'm right here with such such and such, and he here, he here, he here, and if y'all got a problem, y'all could just come pull up." Mm. And then the feds came and pulled up. And then it's like six years later, right? And, and, it, and it's like still... the same thing, and I'm kind of like. Damn, Rowdy. Like, whatever you going to do, and if it's in the streets, leave it in the streets. You right. got to broadcast it. Right, you right. got to put it on the news. You ain't got to... You There's no need to broadcast it. Like, he reminded me of that friend, and we all got that friend in the group that we be like, yo, we're going to go somewhere. We're going to have a good time. We ain't going to get in no trouble, and that's it. Don't start no trouble. And he like, yeah, no problem. And halfway through it, 
they yelling out, yo, who want a problem because I feel like fighting? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yep, like, yep. you grew up with those kind of friends and that, that that's what it um, reminded me of. Um, you know, because it's, like, he's still tall. There's other people that was on the other side of that robbery that also stand tall that, that's rapping, right? Like, that did the same amount of years, got locked up right behind them, did a, you know, like, they, and recently just came home, like, Bills and Dense Flocks, and they rapping and they're trying to get on. So, for both of them, right? Like, I'm like, yo, I hope all sides is just kind of, yo, we're a little tired of this. And let's stop shooting and let's, because we can have our freedom and our millions taken away from us. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Like, I know Fabio left New York, right? Like, he's now living either in LA or somewhere else, but he's not, oh, I'm sorry, he's living in Jersey, right? But he's not direct, directly in New York City. He doesn't have to worry about that, right? Like, you have, um, Rowdy's younger brother, Fetty, who also, you know, like, they live in Jersey. You got a bunch of the people that's GDs that all moved out to Atlanta, right? Like, Tutu, Coach, Envy, and they, like, so everybody, like, you got Jersey, Atlanta, LA, and it's like, yo, we're going to just focus on our music. I don't care what you put in your music, what you talk but you about. But you don't think, I just want to interject, you don't think Papa's trying to focus on his music when he had his untimely oh, um, yeah, demise absolutely. in LA? But he that didn't, happen, that didn't happen in the hood. And, but that was also like Pop wanted to do that and move, but Pop was listening to people going, yo, you, you're not in the hood life no more. You can't move the same way. But he was trying to do that too quickly, I feel like, because mm -hmm. when you parted it, it's like, you know when um, you heard Benny's latest freestyle? Yeah. When he's like, the only mistake I made was I ain't have a lookout. Look right? Like that's one of those, Benny from the hood he got shot going to Walmart. Right. Right? Thinking, yo, I'm, I'm, it's Walmart. Right. No, bro, you still from the hood and you have this personality. You have this aura of you carry around a lot of money. You right. carry a lot of, around like a lot of money. Rose truck in a Walmart parking lot. I was, Pe I was the above. wolves are hungry, especially in 2020. Yep. Right? Yep. Like, it's, you know, they coming to get you. Yep. Right? Like, so you kind of like, all right, I see. I wanted to make that transition completely. I can't get there yet. Right? It's the same reason why. Old Rockefeller used to walk around 30 deep. There's a reason why they have to walk around like that, especially at the beginning. And then you also, after Pop died, Fetty, who's Roddy's little brother, said, yo, you question why we move around like this, right? Like, you question why we got 25 people with us, right? Like, y'all got mad that Bobby had all those people around him, right? But Pop didn't have those people around him, and he got killed. Bobby went to jail. He'll be home in five, six years. People would rather come home in five to six years to have their parents bury them, right? Like, that goes back to old Jay-Z line from um, Reasonable, uh, not Reasonable, from Life and Times Volume 1, when he said, give me any amount of time, don't let Miss Carter grieve, grieve. I remember right? That. Like, yep. at the funeral parlor, dripping mm -hmm. tears on my yep. sleeves, right? So, I get why they have to move around that, and people have to understand, y'all love this music, y'all love dancing to it. But a lot of stuff in the music is real life of what they go through. Like they, they are putting like that's why it's so beautiful. They are putting what they've gone through. Like they're already growing up in a terrible neighborhood. They're already growing up with a bunch of disparities that they didn't do nothing to put themselves into. They just have to grow up and survive it. And then they're channeling all of that into a form of art, which is music, which is why it relates and catches so much with all of us. So, you know, I'm happy he's home. I just hope that everybody stays in their separate parts. They make music. And then I'm hoping even, you know, maybe five years down the line, some of this can all start getting squashed. 
right? Like Brooklyn can take a real turn and we can really do real good. And now that you multiple millionaires, you could put some real money back into these communities to change what's going on. So the future kids don't have to go through it. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, man. Um, twenty twenty, man. What a year. What a year. Twenty twenty one. Um, before we even get there, um, you know, there's been this new uh app. Uh Jay and I have been loosely checking it out. And there's been some good conversations on there. Um and people that connect you to over the past two months, I would say, this past month. And something we're gonna try to do with our listeners is we're gonna in between episodes, we're gonna try to engage our listeners on certain topics on Clubhouse. Absolutely. Um, so look out for that. We're gonna to try to have from the block to the boardroom on Clubhouse and engage different topic conversations there. Uh, because one thing I did realize is that we got a lot of good feedback when we had that episode where we did the Zoom. Absolutely. When we opened up a lot of people like that. You know, the kind of convos we have here are the kind of convos that people just love to have. If we was just, you know, all you know at a restaurant or at brunch. You know, it's, it's table conversation. It's it's intellectual conversation touching on different facets. So we're definitely gonna leverage that. Um, and going into the new year, as we mentioned, we're going to have um, some guests, more guests, um, informative conversations and, and some video episodes because, you know, we're suited to the game. We look at other podcasts and we see when you have those video episodes, those YouTube videos that really helps your trajectory. It just helps you grow in markets that, you know, you may not even be aware. So, you know, last year was about branding. This year is about expanding. Absolutely. 2021 is what we're coming for. From the block to the boardroom, man, your boy Trev Stars, Dr. J. And we appreciate y'all tapping in with us this year. You know, we, we've been talking about this for a while. We were trying to kick it off in 2019. We kicked it off this year in 2020. It's been great. Um, ride with us. Stick with us. 2021, we coming even better, man, from the block to the boardroom. Absolutely. And we out. Another episode in the books. We see y'all in 2021, people. Peace. Happy New Year. Happy out.